What is up, my dudes? Welcome to Olympia Oddities. I'm Trista. And I'm Steven. And today we have a totally bizarre true crime story to share with you all. And a very special announcement for another show that we'll be doing at the end. So be sure to stick around to hear our very special announcement. I'm excited for it. What about you? I'm excited for this story because you told me you've been hyping this one up. Yeah, I found this the other day. I actually hadn't heard about these murders. And then I started looking into it a little bit more and I was like, wow, this is absolutely insane and none of it makes sense and the killer still might be out there so. i also can't wait to get into what you call it by accident occasionally oh yeah all right so today we're going to be telling you about a strange series of murders that happened in remote areas of pierce and lewis county in washington young couples were going camping only to disappear their bodies were eventually found and investigators discovered an unusual signature left behind by the killer this is the story of the Tube Sock Murders. Or occasionally known as the Toe Sock Murders. Yeah, for some reason when we were talking about this, I just really, really wanted to call them the Toe Sock Murders for some reason. I'll get you some for Christmas. It's okay. I hate Toe Sock. <laughs> it makes it scarier to me. All right. And before we dive into the episode, we do have a quick trigger warning for this episode for animal death, domestic abuse, and a mention of suicide. If you need to skip this one, go ahead and we'll catch you again next time. The bizarre sequence of murders all started when Stephen Harkins, 27, and his girlfriend, Ruth, Ruth Cooper, 42, left their home in Tacoma, Washington for a camping trip. They left for their trip on August 10th, 1985, and were going camping for the weekend at Tool Lake in Pierce County. However, when the couple didn't show up at their jobs at a vocational school in Tacoma on Monday... Their families knew something was terribly wrong and reported the couple as missing. Just four days later, on August 14th, a hiker made a disturbing discovery. He discovered Stephen Harkins' body near a, a remote campsite. Harkins' body was still inside of a sleeping bag, and he had been shot in the head. Investigators think that this suggests that he was murdered in his sleep. Oof. Yeah, that's always chilling to me, like, when you don't even see it coming. I just there's something very I, I just very creepy just a dead body in a sleeping bag that's just that's it's very camp crystal lake friday the 13th and it's just it's just, and this is real life so it's actually creepy yeah i feel bad for the guy who found that but also at the same time it also like it sucks to be murdered out camping and you don't even, oh no absolutely. you know what i mean just to be like ambushed like that and you don't even expect it that's nightmare that's feel horrible. for me Investigators also found the body of the couple's dog nearby. The poor dog had also been shot to death. Leave him alone! I know, it's really upsetting to me. I'll never understand why murderers have to drag dogs into it. It's bad enough that they kill people, you know what I mean? But it's like, come on, it's a freaking harmless, defenseless little animal. Freaking edgelord. Law enforcement began to wonder if this couple's murder and disappearance had anything to do with another recent murder. Edward Smith and Kimberly Diane Levine were a couple from Kent, Washington. They had been abducted, murdered, and their bodies had been dumped in a gravel pit not far from a Columbia River overlook off Interstate 90 in March of 1985. Edward Smith's hands had been tied and his throat had been cut. Kimberly Levine's body was discovered two weeks after his in a sagebrush-dotted field about two miles to the south of where Smith's body had been discovered. That's brutal. A skull was discovered on October 26th at the dead end of 8th Avenue South near Hearts Lake. This skull was discovered about a mile and a half from where Harkin's body was found. 
Using dental records, investigators were able to investigate or were able to determine that the skull had belonged to Ruth Cooper. Just two days later, Ruth's body and her purse were found about 50 feet away from her body and recovered from the area. With the discovery of her body, investigators were shocked to discover another weird twist to the story. A tube sock had been tied around Ruth Cooper's neck. Oh, man. That's just ridiculously brutal. And bizarre. Absolutely. An initial autopsy revealed that Cooper had died of homicidal violence, and a spokesperson later on clarified that her death had been caused by a gunshot wound to the abdomen. The murder of the couple was publicized by Crime Stoppers in hopes of gaining information that would lead to the arrest of whoever was behind these evil acts. So, so far we're up to two different dead couples, and one has the tube sock tied around the neck. So that's like an important like thing to keep in mind. It gets kind of confusing because there's like a lot of names. So two different dead couples, one involving a tube sock. So just a few months later, another young family was planning an excursion into the outdoors. On December 12th, 1985, Mike (laughs) Reimer, 36, and his girlfriend, Diana Robertson, 21, loaded their two-year-old daughter into their truck and headed to look for a campsite along the Nisqually River in Pierce County. Reimer worked as a roofer at Seattle's Queen City Sheet Metal and Roofing, Inc. His employer described him as a typical roofer who worked hard and played hard. He also supplemented his earnings by trapping minks, coyotes, muskrats, and bobcats and selling their furs. A friend of his later told the News Tribune that Reimer would check these traps at least every other day. Sounds labor-intensive, doesn't it? Badass. (laughs) Checking the traps was on the couple's agenda during this trip, and some sources say that they were also going to look for a Christmas tree while out on this trip. That detail makes me sad. I, I just I just this man this man is co- like getting his own fur. Granted, yeah, it's 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 by trapping, but like he's still getting his own fur, right, selling well. that and like getting cutting down his own Christmas tree while going on and doing these these trips. Maybe badass. Maybe hold off on calling him a badass. Uh oh, we okay. gotta examine the evidence. Oh, later that evening. At a Kmart store 30 miles north in Spanaway, the couple's little two-year-old daughter, Crystal, was discovered standing alone in the front of the store. She was kept safe by some customers and placed into temporary foster care because no one knew who she was, who her parents were, or where they could have gone. I wonder if that is the same Kmart that I used to drive by all the time. I don't know. It's a super weird detail, though, and it's one of the things in this case where I was like, wait, what? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, if I ever have to drive by that Kmart again, or what used to be that Kmart now, <laughs> I'm just going to look by it and just... He's going to have a weird association with it now. A couple of days later, Crystal was taken to Mary Bridge Children's Medical Center by her foster mother. She had a few minor scratches and bruises that, bruises that the foster mom wanted to have checked out. While at the hospital, a nurse recognized Crystal after she had seen a story about the missing girl and her parents on the news. The hospital contacted Crystal's grandma, Louise Conrad, and when she came in to identify her, the little girl went running up to her and cried, Grandma. That's so sad. I know. Crystal's grandma said that the usually lively and happy toddler was acting very out of character. She seemed unhappy, and when someone asked her where her mom was, she would just sit and stare blankly. 
An Olympian article quoted Conrad as saying, She's always looking around. She's withdrawn. Her personality definitely isn't the same. She told the News Tribune that she felt like Crystal had seen something or knew something about that night. Yeah, with her acting that way, I would, yeah. I would kind of believe that. That's really sad, though. It is incredibly sad. The most concerning incident with Crystal happened when her grandma asked her where her mom had gone. The two-year-old just replied, Mommy is in the trees. That's not terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. And sad and just like... Yeah, this whole part involving Crystal, just, you know, it's really sad to have, like, a little two-year-old get dragged into all of this. I'm glad that she was safe, you know, at least got taken to the Kmart and nothing bad apparently happened to her, you know what I mean? But still, you could tell that, like, it really did affect her. She's, yeah, no, she's definitely not the same. Unfortunately, investigators were quickly able to determine that because of her age and her not being verbal enough, Crystal wasn't able to share much information with them about that night. Investigators searched the area the couple had gone missing in by air and on foot, but their searches turned up nothing. They were hoping to at least find the family's truck, a red 1982 Plymouth pickup truck, but no trace of it was found either. Finally, on February 18, 1986, over two months after the couple had disappeared, the body of Diana Robertson was discovered. A motorist had discovered her body half-buried in the snow near a logging road off of Washington State Route 7 in Mineral. Bloodhounds were brought in and searched over the next few days, but their search efforts were made even more difficult when six inches of snowfall accumulated. They were still able to discover the missing truck, though, and it had been found close to Robertson's body. Inside the truck, investigators made two shocking discoveries. The first was a manila envelope that had, I love you, Diana, written on it. The envelope had been placed on the truck's windshield. The second grisly discovery was that the truck seat was covered in bloodstains. Oh, man. Yeah, it's never a good sign. That is really heavy. Diana Robertson's autopsy was completed, and it revealed that she had been stabbed 17 times. Good lord. Yeah, it seems like there's like a lot of hatred or anger directed at her for some reason. Either like a killer that like really hates women for some reason, or like maybe had a like... Some personal vendetta. Yeah, or projected like some sort of, you know, reason to kill her onto her. And just like Ruth Cooper, she had been found with a tube sock tied around her neck. Because investigators hadn't found any trace of Mike Reimer and he was still missing, they began to wonder if he could have been the one responsible for the murders. They wondered if he may have killed Diana and then taking their daughter to the Kmart to drop her off there. However, not everyone was convinced, and some had their own theories. Some wondered if Reimer had met foul play too. Well, let's find out. After the discovery of Diana Robertson's body in February, the Seattle Post-Intelligencer published an article revealing that Reimer had been charged with domestic assault against Robertson on October 19th, 1985. Badass revoked. The couple had apparently gotten back together shortly after this because they disappeared in December, less than two months later. I definitely think that that's a red flag against him in the story, you know, the history of domestic violence. Oh, absolutely that is. Another twist would be thrown into the mix when in 2011, some hikers discovered a partial human skull. The skull was identified as Mike Reimer, and it had been found within a mile of where Robertson's body had been recovered in the 80s. After this partial skull was discovered, 
Lewis County investigators said that they believed that Reimer could have been a victim of homicide too. His official cause of death could not be determined, but investigators were able to rule out a gunshot wound to the head. Crystal Robertson has no real memories of what happened that night or what caused the death of her parents, or how she ended up at the Kmart. She has no interest in talking to the media, though. So what do we think? Was Mike Reimer behind the murder of his girlfriend? Did he have anything to do with the murders of Stephen Harkins and Ruth Cooper? Was the abduction and murder of Edward Smith and Kimberly Levine related in any way? Or is the tube sock killer still out there? I don't know. I'm just because of the ridiculous name. A, a, the cynical part of me wants the tube sock killer to still be at large just because tube sock killer just kind of cracks me up a little bit. Yeah, I bet he wasn't really planning on them naming him that, giving him such a dumb nickname when he chose his signature. But the way that this dude is potentially killing people and specific people? Yeah, no, that's ugh. that's horrible. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a red flag against Mike Reimer because of the domestic abuse charge that he had and that was just months before they disappeared like that oh absolutely and then the fact that their daughter was safe and like unharmed kind of raises a bell with me i almost wonder if if he did end up killing her if he used the murder of stephen harkings and ruth cooper with the tube sock almost as like almost like a copycat of that I wonder if there'd been news articles posted out there and then he was too. planning on doing this murder and he was like, oh, I'm going to also involve a tube sock even because there's so many things that are different in it. The kid ending up at the Kmart is weird because in the past, the tube sock killer killed the dog, killed everyone at the scene. You know, it wasn't like he spared someone. Why would a killer also drive 30 miles to drop a kid off? I don't That's understand. That's a very good point. Yeah. Unless they had like weird personal morals. They're like, I'll kill anything except this kid. And then the note left with, I love you, Diana, that either suggests kind of that, like, the tube sock killer knew or was maybe stalking or following and thought that they were in love. You know what I mean? There was either, it seems like the, the I love you, Diana note is another, like, addition that happened at this one instead of the first one. Mm -hmm. So there's enough things that are different there that it makes me wonder... I wonder if that wasn't done by the same killer and was like more like a copycat thing. Yeah, I'm I can definitely see that. At least that's what I'm going to keep on that. telling myself because the idea of the tube sock killer being out there at large is terrifying to me. It is terrifying. It's just the name just cracks me up. Yeah. That or even what watch there be a copycat killer now because of this episode. Well, but he'll be the toe sock killer. Why are you going to tell me that? <laughs> hey at least you'll you'll know how to fight it because toe socks thank you for listening to another episode of olympia oddities if you want to support the podcast you can follow the instagram or facebook for the podcast at olympia oddities podcast leave us a positive review or recommend us to a friend and now for our special announcement we're excited to announce olympia oddities sideshow this will be another show that we'll be putting out alongside with our regular episodes that you know and love. 
Sideshow will be unscripted and kind of a relaxed get-together where we talk about whatever we want, but that doesn't mean that true crime and cryptid still won't be heavily involved. Be sure to turn in to hear us laugh about local news stories, legends from other parts of the world, and just how we're hanging in there week to week. We should have our first episode of Sideshow out soon, so stay tuned for that. I'm Trista, and if you want to follow my personal Instagram, it's Saloon Ghost. I'm Steven, and mine is at the Steven Ramirez. And until next time, friends.